Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. The bottom line is what God says. And the people did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And God responds. Our correction, though, And when he corrects, it's always marked by grace. Underline that, remember that. When we're disciplined, when we're corrected, it's always marked by the hand of a gracious God. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see you're changing our lives so we can be our hands. The one attribute of God that the enemy likes to lie to us about and distract us from is that God is gracious. If Satan can cause the children of God to believe that God isn't gracious and loving, then he can also convince them that they must work for their salvation. Salvation is only attained through faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross, not of works, lest any man should boast. Today, Pastor Ed will be encouraging us to rest in the grace that God has poured out to us. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, Grace Greater Than Our Sin. Building in faith. I read to you from Judges 6 verse 1. Again the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Hmm. Now here's a change. And for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. It said again and again that they did evil in the eyes of the Lord, seven times repeated in the book of Judges. And God responds in different ways at different times, but he always responds. The title of the message this morning is Grace Greater Than Our Sin. It was in 1855... May of 1855, that a young 18-year-old went to Boston to build his career. He had been the part of a Unitarian church, but now in looking for a church, he went to a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church in Boston. A Sunday school teacher happened to talk to him and invited him out, and this young man was really a tough young guy. It seemed like he'd made very little progress in his spiritual life. In fact, this is what his Sunday school teacher said about him. I read you his words. I can truly say that I have seen few persons whose minds were spiritually darker than was his when he came into my Sunday school class. And I think the committee of the church seldom met an applicant for membership who seemed more unlikely ever to become a Christian of clear and decided views of gospel truth, still fill any space of extended usefulness. Well, this young man showed very little progress for literally years. But one day, the aha light went on. The light always shines the brightest in the darkest place. And this young man's life was turned around. He started a college. 
There's a church named after him in Chicago. His name is D.L. Moody. This sixth chapter demonstrates the character of God. Now, he's really the hero in the story that we're going to read. He's the hero in the Old Testament. It's not Moses, it's not Joshua, it's not Gideon. It's God who is the hero. Turn of last century, Julia Johnstone wrote about 500 songs. I think just about all of those have been forgotten. At the time they were sung in the church very frequently, but there's one song that has persisted through the years. And the name of her song was Grace Greater Than Our Sin. Uh, One of the stanzas goes, sin and despair like the sea waves cold, threaten the soul with infinite loss, grace that is greater. Yes, grace untold points to the refuge, the mighty cross. See, it's God's grace that overcomes the darkness of our sin. It's God's grace that shines into the darkest of all places. And that's the story of Israel. Again, they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. It it doesn't matter what the culture says. It doesn't matter if Congress gathers together and votes laws in, and they call evil good and good evil. What truly matters, the bottom line, is what God says. And the people did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And God responds. Our correction, though, and when he corrects, it's always marked by grace. Underline that, remember that. When we're disciplined, when we're corrected, it's always marked by the hand of a gracious God. Discipline comes in many different forms, in many different ways, in various methods. And I want us to look at this particular time when the nation of Israel is another cycle of sin. Look at the difficulties that correct us. In verses 5 to 6, it tells us that the Midianites came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. Get the picture of locusts covering the land. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites. And then they cry out to the Lord for help. Hmm. The Midianites. You know, at one time they were friends with the Israelites. Now there was difficulty throughout the years. It's not the first time that there was this enmity between the Midianites and the Israelites, but in the history of the Midianites, uh, Moses' wife was a Midianite, and uh, she was very conscious that their son would be circumcised according to the covenant of God. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, gave such wise counsel to make sure that Moses delegated and so that the nation would be ruled in an orderly fashion. Yes, uh, they were a blessing. But, but now, God's going to stir their hearts from across the Jordan. And they're using the cutting edge of technology for their time. Doesn't sound like it from reading the passage. But in their time, they had developed a mass cavalry of, of camels. Now, camels can 
go for days without food, without water. And so they could travel the many miles to the land of promise and devastate the Israelites by taking the fruits of their harvest that they had worked for all long through the year. The Israelites became refugees in their own country, running to the mountains and caves, hiding. It wasn't one year, it wasn't two years, but seven long years. The chastising hand of God came upon the people of God. There are times when what we go through is God's correction, his discipline, his chastisement. Notice that they came like swarms of of locusts, uh, a multitude, nobody could number, the text says. Well, the Israelites had forgotten the multitude of God's blessings to them. One blessing after another, after another, after another. They had forgotten, and so God is going to allow them to suffer the multitude of disciplines where they experience poverty. There are reversals in our lives that sometimes are the hands of God. Uh, There are times, as it was with Israel, where things turn around. Maybe there's a turnaround in your health. Perhaps a turnaround in the finances. Perhaps some rough times in relationships. Sometimes it's God saying, son, I want your attention. Daughter, how many times do I have to speak before you listen? And God is speaking. Well, you say, pastor, how do I know if it's God's correction or simply the trials that are part of the journey? Because life is filled with trials from beginning to end. It's, it's a fabric of life. Even as Job said, man is born unto trouble as sparks fly upward. How do I know? Well, God has a way of communicating to us if we'll listen. What he does in this case is he sends a prophet. There's a word that corrects us. In verse 8, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. He said, this is what the Lord says, the God of Israel says. See, right away he reminds them that they had forgotten. They had forgotten not simply the facts, but they had not let the facts create gratitude in their heart towards God. See, God had delivered them out of Egypt. God had spared their lives. He had given them the promised land. Uh, So readily, so easily, so quickly, we can forget what God has done for us. It's something you must consciously work at or this devil will steal it like a seed out of your mind. And you'll soon forget the benefits of following God. And that's what happened to them. They forgot that God brought them out of the land of bondage. They forgot all that God had done for them. You can tell when people forget. They fall into the trap of worshiping the gods of the land. They fall into the trap of accommodating culture rather than God. And that is what is happening here in the lives of the people of God. What's happening is God put a a command, a requirement with the blessings that he was giving them, with the grace that he was showing them. He said they were to love God with all their heart, mind, and soul. They were to have no other gods before him. They were to listen 
to his voice, but they failed to, as so many generations have. Uh, They fell into the trap that his people are so susceptible to, to worship the gods of culture rather than the one true God, Jehovah, Yahweh. And that's what happens. And so he he reminds them of that. He confronts them with that. You know, sometimes what God does is he, he attaches a specific consequence to sin. Now, you can choose the sin, but you cannot choose the consequences that come along with sin. That's his. That's his choice. And he attaches the consequence to sin, and they're tied together. I know, I know. We're like the Israelites. It's so hard for us to connect cause and event, cause and the consequence. It's so hard for us to see the result of why we're suffering, as it was with them. But, but God sends the prophet to correct them, to remind them that their sins are a result of their actions, cause and effect. I read about how farmers at one time used to teach their dogs, their dogs not to kill the chickens, because sometimes a dog would have a desire to kill the chickens. It would get into their blood and, and, and uh, they would ravage the, the chickens. And so what a farmer would do is he would take the dead carcass of a chicken, tie it around the dog's neck securely, and leave it there. And so that dog would carry around with it the carcass of that dead chicken. The smell, the odor, the decaying body. Until the dog came sick of the smell and lost the taste for the chicken. Sometimes around our necks, are tied the consequence of our sins until we hate the smell of it and we're broken from the habit of it. And so that's what God is doing to the Midianites. That's what he's doing in the life of Israel. Our correction is always marked by God's grace. It's his gracious hand that he reached down to us to help us. Now, God is going to raise up a method of deliverance, a way of help, a way of escape. He's going to raise up a man by the name of Gideon, and he gives this call to Gideon. The call of grace. Our call comes through grace. In the New Living Translation, it tells us that there Gideon is, and he's working in the wine press. And he's trying to uh, separate the wheat from the chaff, and that's not the place to do it. You want to go on the top of the hill to do that, where the wind will blow and the chaff and the wheat will be separated. But there he is hiding at the wide press because he doesn't want the Midianites to see him lest they take the harvest that he had produced and worked so hard for. And so there he is, and suddenly an angel comes, the angel of the Lord. And this is truly a theophany. It's the only time that any of the judges had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. We believe that the theophany was Jesus Christ appearing in the Old Testament. And here he is appearing to Gideon. And he calls him. Now, I like the, the words of St. Augustine who said, 
For grace is given not because we have done good works, but in order that we may be able to do them. With God's call upon our individual lives comes God's plan and purpose for our lives. Our response to his call means we will fulfill the good purposes and plans that he has recorded in his book that each one of our days are to live out. And so God comes to this man Gideon and there is a revelation that he has. In verse 14, you see this revelation. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Wow, first he calls him a mighty man of valor. Now now Gideon might have looked around and said, who's he talking about? I mean, no one would have thought that Gideon would have been the person to lead an army against the Midianites. He himself would not have. But this revelation comes to him. Gideon, I've chosen you for a very specific task. Now, his heart is filled with fear. And you see it in the narrative. But God's going to change that. See, God's going to transform that. And notice what the text says. Go in the strength you have. Well, I have very little strength, you say. Well, go in it and watch. He gained strength. He gained power. As that anointing comes and rests on you. And so what's happening in, in the life of Gideon, he, he hears a word from God, go in the strength that you have. And see, what happens is this, to answer the call means to be transformed by the call. You're gonna see Gideon turn into a man of valor and strength. You're gonna see God's word to him become a prophecy of him. And see, that's what God does in people's lives. He he speaks to us, not as we are, but as he wants us to be, as he called us to be, as only he could make us be. For he truly is the potter and we are the clay. And if we say yes to his will and yes to his way, he'll do in us what we could never do for ourselves. He'll make us what we could never make ourselves. And that's what's happening in Gideon's life. You see this change. There's a response. You, you, you take note of the revelation that God gives him. And, and then, like Moses, like others, he responds. In verse 13 and 15, you see the response. But Sir Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why? Oh, isn't that a question we often ask? Why has this happened to us? Well, Gideon, didn't you hear what the prophet had to say? Gideon, didn't you read what it says in Deuteronomy? And Moses warned the people that if they turned from God, God would send the enemy to discipline them, to correct them, to chastise them. Can't you connect the dots? But what happened in Gideon happens in our time as well. It's so difficult for us to understand the cultural sins that are a part of our society. Sin brings with it not only bondage, but blindness. We can't see the cause and the effect. See, sin has a way of blinding people so they can't connect the dots. Sometimes a counselor who's working with individuals or couples tries to help them see that maybe their problems have something to do with their actions. And they tell you in counseling, don't tell the person, let them discover it. And sometimes it takes years for that. (laughs) 
But God is cutting to the chase, and, and he gives a word, but somehow that word went over Gideon's head. He didn't remember it. He didn't hear it in his heart. And so he says, why? Why are things the way they are? And then he asks another question, where? Where are the wonders our fathers told us about? I mean, we heard about Moses, and we heard about uh, the Red Sea, and we heard about the plagues, and, and, and But you know how quickly we forget what God has done. Gideon, don't you remember Deborah and Barak, the song of deliverance? It's in the previous chapter. Don't you remember what God did for a farmer named Shamgar, who he used to deliver the Israelites? Don't you remember that man with that handicap, Ehud? Uh, Don't you remember, Nathaniel? Don't you remember God's deliverance? But very often we quickly forget, unless you consciously make an effort to remember what God has done, you will slip into unbelief and you'll quickly forget the answers to prayer. And that's what's happening. Gideon, along with the whole community, has forgotten. And then he asked another question, how? Well, I could understand that question. Moses asked it. Moses said, I'm a stutterer, I can't speak. Send my brother. God said, who made the tongue? Gideon and and Moses, there's some similarities between their calls. God comes to them, appears to them, and they both feel they're inadequate. In fact, any person with any amount of self-knowledge will recognize their inadequacies because God never calls us to do something that we could just do in our own strength. He always calls us to do something that's beyond us so that we'd have to trust, so that we'd have to recognize that unless God did it, it wouldn't get done. Unless God was in it, it wouldn't happen. And so God calls Gideon at this moment. Gideon, here, here's the answer. Your weakness is my very reason I'm calling you. God delights in using the weaknesses of man so that the strength of God can be seen. And so here's God's response. Simple, clear, and several times this is repeated in the text. Here it is. I will be with you. Remember Moses said, Lord, we're not going up there unless you come up with us. God, we're not going up there unless you're with us. See, that's the question that a church has to ask. God, if you're with us, we can do it. That's the question that ministry leaders have to answer. God, if you're in it, you're, we're going for it. See, if God is with us, that's our strength, that's our victory, that's our power, that's our ability, God's presence. It was... Um, January 1956, barrage of phone calls had come in, threatening, 30, 40 a day, negative. And there, one hateful call came in, and Martin couldn't sleep. His daughter, his wife were asleep. He gets up in the middle of the night, drinks some coffee, and turns to God. And he has an encounter that stays with him all of his life, that marks him in all the years ahead, that propels him to make and be a catalyst for the civil rights movement. Martin Luther King Jr. This is what he said. And I don't know if you ever read some of his sermons or heard his preaching. He knew the Lord. 
He said, I heard the voice of Jesus saying, still fight on. Women in ministry is a topic that has a variety of opinions surrounding it. The book of Judges highlights a particular woman who is not only a mighty warrior, but a wise leader in the nation of Israel. Through this study, Pastor Ed will share with us the important role that women play in the body of Christ. And this is only one important truth we'll learn as we study the book of Judges. To learn more about Building in Faith, or to get a free copy of today's teaching, simply log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. That's buildinginfaithradio.com. Although Building in Faith is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. If not, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For service times, driving directions, and more information, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Building in Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. Please join us next time as Pastor Ed continues teaching verse by verse through the book of Judges, right here on Building in Faith. Your word restores.